0: We're here today with Dana Sukau. She is an expert on body image and she speaks all around the world to groups of parents and teachers and educators about body image issues and she is the founder of My Hotpants.com, which started out as a fashion blog but turned into this forum where she was sharing her story struggling with an eating disorder, and other people began to share their own stories about their bodies. And so she has started this whole movement on social media, and uh, you can find her on Instagram. She's really active, has tons of followers, and talks all the time about body image issues. We are interested to pick her brain today about how you as a parent can engage with your teenager about body image and what are the signs that you need to look for to determine if body image might be an issue with your teenager and then what do you say to start the conversation, get them to open up about it and what can you say if you think that there might be a problem? Really, really excited to dive into all of that and more. The place that I'm most curious about is how this all started because you have such a big thing going, mm-hmm. you know, this international brand and all these people who are sharing their stories mm-hmm. through your website. And there's really like a community. Yes. And I'm, I'm always so interested in people who have started something that's like sort of such a movement like that mm-hmm. in kind of what was the driving force behind it because, you know. It takes so much energy and you have to be a little crazy to do something like that.
1: It's interesting looking at where I am now to where I started. So I started as a fashion blogger a couple years ago. I was dating a fashion photographer and I thought that, you know, if I could be a fashion blogger, we could do this together and I could be flown around the world and I could be cool and famous Mm. and get clothes and everything sent to me. But on the inside, I was struggling with an eating disorder. So I had this kind of outward appearance that I was showing to people online and on social media and it was polished and it was Photoshopped and it was perfect. And then on the inside, I was just absolutely struggling. I hated my body. I was terrified of food. I was over-exercising. My relationships were crumbling. And so through that and through my recovery over the years, I started Slowly coming clean to my readers and slowly saying, you know, hey, I'm not feeling great about my body, or, you know, hey, I've been, you know, I was binge eating, or I was this, or I was that. And people started relating and they started saying, oh my God, me too. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And so over the years, it's really taken on this kind of different movement than what it started. I mean, it started because I wanted to be cool and I wanted to be seen and I wanted to be valued and it's gone all the way over to vulnerability and you know and talking about struggle and talking about pain and talking about mental health and and so other people have you know kind of seen that and felt like this community is a safe space this is a safe area that i can talk about my body and i can talk about my pain and i won't be judged or shamed for it and so that's mm-hmm. where the my body story series came from it was you know as i had kind of gone through a lot of recovery, I was like, okay, I don't need this as much for my recovery, but I have built such a platform and I have built such a safe group uh, and you know space for people that I think with privilege comes responsibility. And it's my responsibility to also not only give people space to talk about their struggles, but show different voices and faces and body types that are going through the same thing that we have such a preconceived notion about because of how society puts pressures on bodies that we can say, oh my gosh, these people are human, everyone is human, we all have a shared humanity and we can really, Ah. through our empathy, we can listen to other stories and we can go, okay, we all have something in common and we all need to fight this.
0: Okay. And so then just walk me through how it actually works because I've seen the stories that Mm -hmm. are posted and it's like people are posting photos and then they kind of are posting a story Mm -hmm. of it. Usually it seems like there's some kind of a shame that they were made to kind of feel like they were, you know, had something about them that they tried to hide and they're kind of coming clean about it and posting photos. How does it work and how did that aspect of it start?
1: Yeah, I think it was like one day I just thought, I'm done talking about myself. I have shared Mm. so much of myself and I have so many people in my messages, in my emails, in my DMs, on my social media saying, I'm really struggling and I wish I had a space to talk to this, I wish I had friends here, I wish I had a community here. And I go, I wanna share your voice want to feature you. I have this space. You know, let me share this with you. What it is, it's a writing prompt. It's if your body could tell a story, what would it tell? And every Mm. single person, man, woman, queer, straight, cis, trans, you know, black, white, it doesn't matter. You have a story that you've experienced from the way society has treated your body and the way you perceive your body and the way you take care of your body and love your body or hate your body. Uh We all have a story. And some stories deal with a lot more marginalization than others. But I believe that every body tells a story and every story deserves to be heard. And so that's that's really how it started. And so it's not that people submit, it's actually that I do one-on-one with the person and we talk about it, you know. Some people right off the bat they just have the whole story there. And other times it's, you know, People message me and they're like, I, I kind of want to talk about my eating disorder. And I say, okay, well, and then I ask them a couple questions and we kind of get the ball rolling and then I put it all up on the website. So it's not that it's an open forum. It's really that these people have worked so hard to put this story together and and really have dug deep in what they feel safe sharing with people.
0: That makes sense because these are like polished things. Like yes. These are coherent. feels like there's a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. And like And I love this idea of the body story too.
1: Right. I mean, there's definitely some that, you know, the person shared a paragraph and that was all they felt safe sharing. And, I, and I'm not here to push people to share more I because we share what our see. comfort level is. And so that's why, you know, you'll see some that are very short and you'll see some that are very, very long. And it's the comfort level. Also, you know, it, it releases a lot of shame. Whenever I talk to people after they share their stories, they go, I feel so much better. I feel like a weight has been lifted off my chest. I feel like I shared a secret that has been hurting me for so long and it just doesn't have so much power over me. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's another important aspect too.
0: I hear that and I think that's true in a lot of ways that once you just kind of – get it over with. It's like ripping off the band-aid or yes. something sometimes, you know? And sometimes we realize that what we feared has come to pass and it wasn't so bad. I think that's so cool what you do with helping people to find their body story. And I wonder if we could talk a little bit about that. And you mentioned that there are some questions that you kind of ask people because you know, we focus here on teenagers and specifically on how parents can kind of help their teenagers to thrive more and I wonder if there's like conversations parents could have with teenagers and some of those questions maybe that you were mentioning that you ask people or some kind of like prompts that you could ask teenagers to kind of get the conversation going mm-hmm. and help them to start developing their own body story.
1: Yeah. I think it's a lot. I mean, we live in a society that dieting is normal and eating disorders have kind of become normal or at least disordered eating. And yeah. so I think that that's why, you know, eating disorders go so undetected or they're so normalized and parents have absolutely no idea what to do. There's so much that can be done. And that's what drives the work I do is I don't want kids to go through what I went through. And so I want to give the parents, the teachers, the caregivers, everyone that's around them, the tools to protect children from going through mm-hmm. what I did Uh, because most parents don't know and that doesn't mean that they're bad parents it just means that society is not teaching us or teaching parents or anyone that's around children how to properly talk to kids about bodies the Mm. very first thing I say is even before we start putting the responsibility on children is talking about our own bodies and that i think is the modeling. biggest thing is is really you know it starts in the home it starts in the school it starts with adults mirroring how to treat bodies so sure. you know if you are sitting in front of the mirror and you are going ugh i hate my stomach ugh i hate my thighs oh i'm so ugly i'm this mm-hmm. i'm that your child who you know probably sees you as an adult that needs to be respected, that they love, that is, you know, perfect in their eyes and starts going, wow, this human being is so flawed or, oh my gosh, bodies are so ugly. And that child starts internalizing those voices and they go, a body is something to be torn apart. So I tell the story of, you know, I saw my mom tear her body apart. And for me as a young child, I mean, it was kind of twofold. You know, the first part was, I saw my mom as perfect and I I couldn't as a child understand, you know, how she could tear this body apart, but this body that I also found soft and comforting and warm and loving.
0: (laughs) Right,
1: right. Yeah, and another aspect of it was I look like her. You know, I look like my parents.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of you in me. So yeah. if you don't like yourself, then what does that say about me?
1: Exactly. And, uh... and, you know, and I and look, this for teachers or caregivers or babysitters or, you know, adoptive parents, I understand that this might not perfectly fit your narrative. But still, oh, children mirror themselves from adults. And so if you're tearing yourself apart, a child is going to look in the mirror and go, well, okay, Well, so what's wrong with my body? So it really is respecting bodies and... I I firmly believe that you are going to have negative body thoughts. That is how society works. That is how media works. That is how advertising works. Mm-hmm. You're going to have negative
0: thoughts. Yeah. Billions of dollars are spent to make you feel bad yes. about your body. Yes. Yes. And- they're really, really good at it,
1: and that's the thing. So you're you're gonna have those negative thoughts. Don't vocalize them around children. Is one of the most important things I can say. And
0: ah, I love that. And yeah.
1: it's and it's so important. You know what you just said about they're spending billions of dollars. So there's a lot of studies that show that people think they are smarter than ads. They think that (laughs) they can look at an ad and not be affected by it. And study after study shows this. And what we fail to understand is that these companies are literally putting in billions of dollars, millions of dollars per company to get a group of people in a room who are so much smarter collectively than any one of us yeah. individually to figure out how to make you feel bad about your body. And yeah. you know, there's this idea that an ad does its job when you don't know that you've seen an ad. And right. that's that's how right. we walk away. We go this didn't affect me. But it absolutely affects us.
0: I mean, I think it's the same as a researcher you know, it's so typical to tell people about studies and, you know, psychological phenomenons. And it's easy for people to say, oh, yeah, man, I, one of my sisters does that all the time. Right. Like, um, really hard for people to see that, no, it applies to everybody. And yeah. uh, these are fundamental truths. And, you know, companies today have so much data right. that a lot of it is not even malicious. It's just like, hey, uh, we crunched the numbers yeah. and this is the best way to get you to buy more stuff yes. is this type of image. I don't think people are necessarily to blame and it's like great right at each kind of stage of it. It's just like people doing their job and mm-hmm. trying to get the best results they can. But what we end up with is this crazy system where so much money is spent about how we look, right? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing I love, which is not voicing those negative thoughts around kids yes so what would be then another thing that parents would want to consider that they could use to try to kind of engage teenagers also
1: yeah i think parents right off the bat when they see a a child struggling or or avoiding food or talking negatively about their bodies they want to jump in immediately and protect their children and have these conversations but a lot of education has to happen before you have these conversations because they can go very badly if you act like you know what you're talking about or you don't embrace the child with empathy and understanding and let them know that they're not alone so my Mm. first thing is if you you think that your child has an eating disorder if you start seeing bad you know behavior where they're talking negatively about their body, negatively about other people's bodies, they're afraid of food, they're talking constantly about the fear of getting fat. Learn about eating disorders and one of the best places to go is the National Eating Disorder mm-hmm. Association website. I it's nationaleatingdisorder.org okay. and they have some great tools on just learning about the different types of eating disorders and, you know, kind of destigmatizing these ideas we have around eating disorders that aren't true. So definitely education. And, you know, when you do finally have that conversation, I think back all the time of I had a roommate when I had my eating disorder and I was really, really struggling, but I didn't know it at the time
0: you never do. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: You know, hindsight 2020, 20, but at the yeah, time yeah. I just thought, "No, this is absolutely normal. It's completely normal to freeze food so I don't eat it and to weigh myself five times a day." And yeah. I remember my my roommate said something to me and she just said, "You know, I'm really I'm really worried about you. You just you don't seem like you're doing well." Mm-hmm. And I instantly got defensive. I instantly was like, I'm absolutely fine. And all my defenses went up because it almost felt like this person was talking down to me. And I remember that all the time because once a child has an eating disorder, they're the way you talk to them, they're so fragile and they're so defensive because they want to desperately hide what's going on. Mm. So the language is so, it's so tricky. But if somebody had said, you know, hey, like I see that you might be having a hard time around food and I just want you to know that I do too. You know, Uh I have had I have had a difficult time eating or I've been feeling really just not good about my body and, you know, I saw a movie the other day and this person was so thin and I was wishing I was that thin and if you start to, instead of looking down on someone and saying, hey, I'm totally cured, how are you down there? If you can get on the same level as them and say, Mm. I get it, I have been struggling and you're not alone. And if we can have those conversations, that's where we start getting kids to open up and teens to open up about what's really going on because they don't feel like you're going to get mad at them. They don't feel like you're going to be angry. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be ashamed. And the defenses aren't up. And I always think back on how I wish somebody had spoken to me at the time.
0: I like that. So have the talks, keep engaging, and thanks for supporting the podcast. And following. We're here with Dana Sukau talking about body image issues for teenagers and we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show.
1: You know, you know the ideal body, I don't even have to describe <laughs> right. it. You can imagine it in your head. It's what you see in every movie, every magazine, every advertisement, every billboard, every, 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 everything. It is the only body type that is represented. If you saw, was it, it was Wonder Woman, right? The movie that yep. came out recently about a year ago. If you saw Wonder Woman with your kids, at the end you could go, when did they have time to shave? When did all of the Amazonian women have time to get electrolysis? (laughs) Why did not a single woman have body hair? And Ah. so it's these types of questions that you just, you're getting your child and yourself to think slightly differently about the image that's being portrayed to you. When I was fashion blogging and I would, I would have photo shoots on the weekends and I was really deep in my eating disorder, I wouldn't eat for, you know, a day or two before I did my photo shoots. Sure. And I would exercise compulsively. I mean, I would run three times a day before I had a photo shoot and I would do all of this just to look thin, just to look, you know, quote unquote pretty. Yeah. And so what I would do is I would do all of this work because I was so afraid of anybody seeing any ounce of fat or anything on my body. And then I would post these pictures and people would go, oh my gosh, ideal body. Oh my gosh, you look so beautiful. Oh my gosh, you're perfect. And that would be the comments under my photos. And I just, in my head, I was like, if you only knew what's going on behind the scenes, if you only knew what I'm doing to try and maintain this, it is so unhealthy. It is so unhealthy. I also go on and I will scroll through and I will spend an hour on the Explore page on Instagram and I'll go, oh my God, I feel terrible about myself. Uh, Everyone else is doing more amazing stuff than I am. Everyone else has a better body than I do. Everyone else is prettier and younger and happier. And I think one thing that social media does is it displays everyone's highlight reels. We have seniors, 80, 90, 100 years old reporting that they are developing eating disorder symptoms because they're afraid to get fat. And these, we're talking about p- end-of-life people, where it's – what do you have to worry about? You know, enjoy. enjoy live, it
0: yeah.
1: Ex- live it up. Live it up. you know, And we should have people living it up at every age, but <laughs> even 80, 90, 100 years old, and we have people that are scared to put on weight.
0: Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.